0: I pray that this 2022 is going to be... Better than the first two years of this decade. I don't know if you look back over the past two years of our decade and you and you see uh, the 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 look of of 2020 and 2021. I think one of the best ways you can look at life is sometimes in gifts, right? Not the gifts you wrap up, but the gifts you see uh, uh, online. Go ahead and throw that first one up there, guys. And maybe maybe there's a picture's worth a thousand words. Uh, maybe that's how you summarize 2020 and you maybe put a question mark at 2021. There, is there going to be toilet paper there? There's so many great gifts that are out there. Some of them uh, are just uh, you cannot show in church on Sunday, so I won't show you those. But some of my favorite ones are whenever you look back at uh, 2020 and I remember March because I remember I was coming back from Greece and all excited about getting back to the states. One week later, everything shut down. It's just a, it just changes in a heartbeat. I felt like I was a uh, Forrest Gump one moment and then I was caught on the Castaway Island another moment. And so, you know, maybe that's how you started 2020 and, and by the end of 2021, that's where you, you felt like you were kind of messed up like that. And then you think, okay, 2020 is in the books. I remember this last year. We were all thinking, we're going to turn the calendar. COVID's going to go away. Everything's going to be perfectly in order. The world is going to be back the way it used to be. And it it goes out like a lion, and it comes in like a pride of lions or like a QAnon shaman. I don't know what you want to say because of what happened just six days into the new year. So it's like one big wave hits, and then another big wave is hitting right after that. It's like... Wow, what is uh, 2021 going to look like? What's 2022 going to look like? And Lori sent me this gift last night, just as a as a. My, you have to use your your uh, English uh, grammar here. The moment you realize 2022 is pronounced twenty twenty two, and you have to think about that one. Okay, uh, so hopefully that's not what I'm trying to to speak over this, but in this uh, season or whatever you've gone through. Whether you've just been in the hot mix of the mess of our society, this cultural inflection moment that we're in, or maybe you've had your own, and I know some of you have. You've shared them with me. Your own tragedy and stress that's happened to you and, and that you, some that you could have avoided, some that you couldn't have avoided. And how do you make sense of it all? And how do we go into 2022? with not just optimism, not just some blind optimism, but how do we move into it with a great intentionality and that it's going to be, well, I want to encourage us to take an inventory today And I want to encourage you to take the snowy, cold day, get you a hot cup of cocoa, get some coffee, get you a bowl of soup, find a quiet space inside somewhere in the house and take some time to reflect. I know everything's going to go back to whatever normal looks like in the new year starting this next week. So do yourself an honest, good service by taking inventory. Inventory of who you are, inventory of where you've been, inventory of looking at your life and, and, and assessing how much of life did I bring on? How much of life happened to me? Because really when you look at it, life happens, is happening all around us and also life is happening to us. When life is happening around us, like COVID or, or like uh, restructurings and things like that that happen around us all the time, and life ha- sometimes happens to us, we didn't do anything, we didn't ask for that, somebody else made a decision, and that decision is having ripple effects into my life, There, let I me mean, just give you some some words of insight, you can do very little about that. It's understanding what I can control and what I can't control. And when life is happening around you and life is happening to you, we have very limited control over that. What we do have a lot of control over, in fact, substantial amount of control over, is life that happens in us, how we respond to what happens to us, and life that's happening through us, what comes out of us. So, uh, again, figuring out, okay, this just happened, fill in the blank, is this happened to me? Did I bring this on? Did, was I an initiator of this? Is this a, a, a consequence of my decisions that I've made in life? And you have to really do some assessment. Again, I come back to that inventory. We need to do an inventory of ourselves two days into this new year, and we need to examine deeply into our soul, into our body, into our mind, into our, who we are, our hands, everything about us, uh, Socrates said it like this, an unexamined life is not worth living. An unexamined life is not worth living. I challenge you, call you to, to take 24, 48 hours Whatever it takes to do a deep dive examination. This is something that Paul encourages the church at Corinth to do multiple times. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 31, he says, examine ourselves. In chapter 2, or 2 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 5, he says, examine yourselves. He's calling us constantly to examine ourselves. Now, what we've got to make sure is that we're not examining ourselves off of ourselves. Okay, this is my standard, this is how I'm going to be, I'm going to, no, you got to have something that's a true north, something that's an objective objective truth, measure off of that, find that out there. Here, I'm going to give you some quick, 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 quick bullet points on how to perform a personal, how I do perform a personal audit or an inventory on my life. You can take this, you can make it your own, whatever. First of all, rest. Take space and rest. Now this does not mean go take a nap. This does not mean binge watch uh, Tiger King two, uh, and, and then you're you're you're, you're resting. No, 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 rest your mind, rest your soul, rest rest your body if need be. If you're on, if you're watching online today, rest. Find that space and 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 in your PJs wherever you are, and and pull aside, turn off social media after the service is over. Turn off social media, and then. Rest, pull yourself apart from a lot of the noise and distraction, then take time to reflect. In that space of silence, in that margin that you've just created, reflect. Now, how do I reflect? Do I just sit there and gaze at my navel? Do I sit there and just kind of look in, 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 into space and, and God's gonna give me this answer out there? Listen, this is a four helpful list that we use around here all the time. I actually use this in my own life. When I'm evaluating things, Look at this four healthful list. Ask yourself these four questions. What's right about my life? And whatever's right, amplify that. Magnify that. Put more resources into that. What's wrong about my life? Stop it. Okay? Just stop it now. It's more than a New Year's resolution. You're going to stop whatever that is. What's confusing? That doesn't mean it's right. It doesn't mean it's wrong. It just means it's not clear. Maybe your purpose, maybe your job, maybe your relationship. You need to bring some clarity around that relationship. Find clarity there. Clarify it. And then if it's missing, say, man, you know what? Exercise is not a part of my life. Time in God's words is not a part of my life. Whatever's missing, make space for it. And do that in this time of reflection. So after that, you reset or you return to whatever it is that you got, got off course on, wherever you got off the track. Here's a, here's a verse for you, Lamentations chapter 3, verse 40. It says, let us test and examine our ways and return to the Lord. Let us test, let us examine our ways, and let us return to the Lord. And then relaunch. So now you got a plan, work the plan. Now you've got a redirection. Maybe it's just one thing that you need to change, one thing you need to rearrange, and then Repeat. You do this as often as you need to. I personally will take two distinct times every year and do this. One of those I did just this past week. Lots of time to reflect, lots of time to do personal inventory. And again, I must say this. This is not just me examining me off of what me wants from me. Okay? It's not a true north. Me is going to change with the wind. Okay? It is finding something that is solid, that you can anchor to. This personal inventory is not just simply a self-examination. All right? We will find, self-examine ourselves and become narcissist if we're not careful. Or enter into a dark triad. It's even worse. It's compounding narcissism on top of, uh, of other things. When you look at the greatest people in the scriptures, there are times that they take To reflect. Time that they take to do inventory. Joshua did it. Read Joshua chapter one. Joshua chapter one, you'll find where Joshua does an inventory of his life as he's stepping into the sandals of Moses. Moses, my servant is dead, are the very first words in the book of Joshua. All of a sudden, his hero, his mentor, everything that he believed in, the one he was following is gone. He has to do a personal inventory. Am I going to be strong and courageous to move into the future? Or am I just going to live in the shadows of Moses? Elijah does it. After he calls down the uh, fire from heaven, I mean, God works incredible ways against the prophets of Baal. What does he do? He goes in, pulls himself up underneath a shade tree and wants to die. He has to do a personal inventory of his soul. Job does it. And the entire book of Job is nothing more than Job losing his wealth, His family, his significance, his title, losing it all. And being here's what happens. Sometimes we're thrust, thrust into reflection mode. The entire book of Job is about him finding, again, what is truth. Making sure he turns off the voices that are lies. And he had some friends that were lying and creating false narratives in his head that he had to turn it off. Again, the life of Job. He was thrust into. It. Sometimes people stumble into reflection, stumble into personal inventory. You, you find that in Solomon. Solomon's life. You look at the. You look at the book of Ecclesiastes. You find him stumbling into reflection mode because after gaining all the wealth, all the women, and all the wisdom that he could possibly gain in life, he at the end of his life says it's all vain. It's all empty. What a tragedy would be to live another year and to get into that year and to be leaning against the wall of emptiness. This time of reflection is critical. Whether you're thrust into it, you stumble into it, I'm challenging you today to choose to enter into it, to say, I'm going to stop my busyness, stop the noise and I'm going to invite God into that space. It's not just going to be me looking at me, figuring what what me wants to be in the me future. It's listening to God and what God has planned for me and what God desires for me and aligning with that as my true north. Take your Bibles and be finding the book of Psalm. Because one of those guys that was intentional about personal reflection is David. King David, find Psalm chapter 139, and we'll be there in a moment. Because when you come to Psalm 139, you're going to find one of my favorite chapters in the book of Psalms. It's one of those that every time I go to it, I'm amazed at God's absolute full-on awareness, how he pays attention not only to the micro, but to the macro and to the macro. He goes into the micro of who we are. He understands the cosmos as, as he created it, spoke it into existence. At the same time, he is intricately involved in the creation of every human being. You see God in the macro and the micro in this chapter. And you also see how much he is so aware of us. And what you're going to find with David, even though David was, I believe, self-aware, but he was self-aware to know that he was not completely self-aware. And when you think you figured it all out, you probably aren't self-aware. When you're self-aware, you realize you don't know everything about you. You don't know everything about tomorrow. And so what if I interject and invite God into this space of self-reflection? Look at uh, this passage of scripture and look at the very first words out of Psalm 139. He said this, Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know, when I sit down, you know, when I rise up, he actually pays attention to our calendars. Do you realize that he pays attention to our days and our nights? He's aware you discern my thoughts. From afar. Basically, God, you can be way, 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 way out there and still know every little detail of what's going on in my mind. You know it. You search out my paths, my lying down, and you're acquainted with all of my ways. I can't hide anything from you, God. Even before the word of my tongue. Behold, oh Lord, you know it all together. Before I even say it, Before I even speak it, you're aware of it. That's the minute detail of who God is and how he knows us. And then he goes into the macro and then he comes back to the micro. Whenever he goes in verse 13, he says, And you formed me in in my inner parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. This is why I believe that life is so valuable even at conception. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. God knows it all. He's so intimately aware of everything that's going on out of verse 15. He says, my frame has not, is not, was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intrinsically woven into the depths of the earth. So God is fully aware. That's what I'm going to say. Invite God into the conversation. Invite God into the evaluation. Invite God into the inventory, and that's exactly what David does. When you come to the end of the chapter, and this is a verse that if you don't know it, you need to, you need to memorize it. But here's what I want you to understand about God. We need a bigger understanding of God so that we can have a better revelation of ourselves. We need a bigger understanding of God, that he is very aware of what's going on, very aware of what's going on in our mouth and our motives and our intentions, very aware of what's going on. He is so aware. And when we have a better understanding of God, we will have a a bigger understanding of God, we'll have a better revelation of who we are. So now let's look at the last words in this chapter. It says, search me, O God. In fact, I want us to read this out loud together. Because I want this to become a prayer. If you haven't memorized scripture, this is the first New Year's resolution for you: memorize scripture. This is one of those that you can memorize and pray any day, all day, any day of the week. So read it with me. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the everlasting way. Your way everlasting. When you look at that, you see that He says, I want you to look at my heart, I want you to look at my thoughts, I want you to look at my ways. I want you to look at my heart, I want you to look at my head, I want you to look at my hands. I want you to look at me, God, from the inside out, not the outside in. I want you to start from the inside, I want you to work your way outside, I want you to know me, God, because I know you know me. We, and this is a prayer, and I want to invite you, first Thursday of every month, just put this on your calendar, 9 a.m. We as a staff call our church together on Thursday morning. You can come and pray with us. I want to pray with you. Meet in the student center that you're invited to that. Three focal points that he gives us here. One is heart. No, God, I need you to search my heart. This is what Pioneer... Uh, Francis Bacon, scientist said this about a mindset. He says if a man will begin with certainties, he shall end in doubts. But if he will be content to begin with doubts, he shall end in certainties. If we think we know it all, it's really hard for us to learn anything else. If we think we don't understand about everything about ourselves and we think we're all in check and everything's in check, we're probably not going to see any changes in our life in the new year. But we go, hey, you know what? I don't think I have everything figured out. I don't think I know everything. I don't think I know my heart fully. I need God to search my heart. Then I can end the year with some certainties and some ironclad and some some some, some lay some foundations. Because here's one of the things. This may be a real shocker to you. Don't trust your heart. Don't follow your gut. Don't go with your first instinct, because it's probably going to lead you astray. It was what David said whenever he said, I, I've, I've been out of step with you as long for a long time, in the wrong since before I was born. He knew that there was there were things not l- lined up with him from the day of his birth. Jeremiah 17 9 says, And the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can know? Who can understand it? Who can understand it? And that's verse, chapter 17, verse 9. Let me give you chapter 17, verse 10. Who can understand the heart? It's so deceitful. It's so broken. I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind. I, the Lord, search the heart. You don't know your heart. Let me, let me dive into a heart exam here. So what does he say? He said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Proverbs 17, 3, the Lord tests the heart. The Lord uh, of hosts who judges righteously, who tests the heart and the mind. Chapter 11, Jeremiah, verse 10. I'm going to give you four questions to that. I had eight questions. You'll be glad i narrowed them down. Four inventory questions, if you will. You can jot them down. You can ask yourself these questions and begin to reflect on them this afternoon. Inventory question number one. How much access have I given to God, into my heart, into my spirit? How much access? How much time am I allowing? How much time am I giving? How much time am I I allotting? Or am I allowing everything else in social media and everything all the boys all the squeaky wheels out here to take over? Or am I literally saying, God, I am giving you space and time? Because here's one thing about Mike McDaniel. This may scare some of y'all off if you're first time here at Grace Point, is don't trust Mike McDaniel. I don't trust Mike McDaniel. Mike McDaniel will fail you. I don't trust Mike McDaniel's heart. At any given moment, I can do stupid really good. And I'm one step away from it. And so I have to make sure that Mike McDaniel is making sure God is searching his heart, knowing every intricacy of his life, diving deep into it. One of the things that I try to do is to give him my first and give him my best, because if I give him my first and my best, then things begin to line up. And these are four These are four statements that I've made. I've made them here a lot. I'll make them to you again. So maybe this is what you're going to do this year. I want to give God the first moments of my every day. And I want to say every day, search me, oh God, know my heart. I want to give him the first day out of every week. I don't want anything else on the calendar, no activities, no kids' activities, no sports teams. No. I don't want other things to crowd in, okay? I'm gonna give him the first dime i give him the first dollar out of every, uh, 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 out of every dollar I make a first dime out of every dollar I make because I want to put him first and foremost in my life and then i 'm going to give him the first consideration in every decision it 's not what do I want to do, what does he want me to do? Asking those questions that 's the heart. Start with the heart. the heart moves to the head moves to the head. Prove, in verse 23, try me and know my thoughts. Prove me, O Lord, and try me and test my heart and my mind. The mind and the heart. It's hard to separate the two out. One of the books that literally this past year I've read twice. And now I'm reading it again. And I'm taking diligent notes on. So that's how important it is to me. And that's how transformative it has been to me. And it's Into the Silent Land by Martin Laid. Listen to one of the statements. He says, The mind's obsessive running in tight circles generates and sustains the anguish that forms the mental cage. In which we live much of our lives. Or what we take to be our lives. We believe this lie. And our life becomes a cocktail party, posturing masquerade in order to hide the anxiety and the ignorance of who we truly are. Such a densely packaged book. Why I'm reading it three times is it is all densely written. Our life, when we become so caught up in what social media likes, influencers, what people around us like, what, are are we getting the approval and the attention that we need? When, when that becomes the focus of our mind, what we end up doing is we end up getting caught in a cocktail party posturing masquerade in order to hide the anxiety and the ignorance of who we truly are. Try me and know my thoughts hundred and seventy-five times in the scriptures does it talk about our mind. Just think about that. We are given the mind of Christ in 1 Corinthians 12. We are transformed by the renewing of your mind in Romans 12 too. Think on these things. We're told literally what to focus our thinking life on. Otherwise we'll have stinking thinking and not clear right thinking. In Philippians chapter four, verse eight. Matthew chapter 22, when Jesus tells us to love him first and foremost, he tells us to love him with our minds. What are we thinking? Where's our mind taking us? Inventory question number two. How am I intentionally nurturing the mind of Christ in me? Intentionally nurturing, two key words to focus on. What am I intentionally doing to nurture that mind of Christ. I'm gonna tell you something personal from where I've been. 2020 was hard. 2021 didn't get easier. I have struggled with something in 2021 that I have never in my 53 years of existence known to struggle with. And it's been anxiety. Anxiety. Hey, uh, robbing me of sleep look at my f- app on my phone cuz i track my sleep at night on average 4 to 5 hours a night and we're just talking back a month ago that struggling with thoughts and anxious feelings and and listen i have w- in those nights that i'm awake what am i doing i'm quoting all the scriptures i can come up with on anxiety I'm trying to push it out. So I'm coming to you not as a person who's figured out anxiety. I'm coming to you as a person who's coming through, working on it. Realizing that I've got, as Paul said, take captive every single thought. Or it will take me captive. So hang on to that. Are you being held captive by your thoughts? Or are you holding your thoughts captive? Benedictine sister Margaret Mary Bonk said this. Only when I sensed the power of my thoughts was I able to renounce them. Could I hear the ever small voice of God deep inside me? This takes incredible diligence and focus. You start with your heart. Where's your heart? Has your heart been born again? Do you have a relationship with Jesus? Start with your heart. How's my heart with God, okay? Am I allowing God in the spaces of my heart, okay, in all the crevices and corners of my heart? Then I move to my mind, and then we go to our hands. Then we go to our actions. It's like, and literally, I think it's the progression is very, very important in that because sometimes what we want to do is we want to clean up the outside, We want to polish the outside container, stop behaviors, stop habits, stop addictions. And we don't deal with the heart. And we don't deal with the mind. If we don't start there, we'll never be able to clean up the outside. Life principle for you. A behavior is never the problem. It's only the symptom to the problem. I don't care if your kid's crying I don't care if your kids are rebelling. I don't care if you as an adult are making really bad decisions. Your behavior is only a symptom of a deeper problem. Broken marriages, broken trust in marriages. Man, how does that happen? It happens because there's other heart issues. You're not going to fix it just by making another promise. Materialism, that sucks so so many of us into it. That, that 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 captures us and holds us hostage it 's not cut, just just cut up your credit cards it's all go away because you 'll get five more offers for a new credit cards tomorrow there's heart issues there 's mind issues, and then there are action issues in fact i 'll tell you this, Lori and I years ago it was it was give a little, spend, and then save a little in fact that 's the way a lot of people live. It is spend, save a little bit. And if you have anything left over, give. Whenever you reverse it and you go from spend, save, give, and instead you go give, save, live, you're getting things in the right order. Whenever I realize that God deserves the 10% on the front end and I'm going to put 10% back, then I can live on the other Then I'm getting things in the right order. We did financial peace a few years ago, and we're going to offer it again. We offer it every year. I love it when I see people get into it because there's so much about us in the beginning and my spending habits that were just bad, that we'll make bad decisions, and we need the practical help of putting it together. I love what Dave Ramsey says. He says, if you live like no one else, then later on you'll be able to live like no one else. Glad to say today that we are debt-free except for our house. We still committed to that give, save, live, and we have no regrets. We have an emergency fund fully funded, and all that, again, because of making sure our heart, our mind, and our head and our hands are in the right order. Warren Wiersbe is a big influencer in my life. He's gone to be with Jesus now, but when I was early in ministry, he makes this statement. He says, wrong ideas about God will ultimately lead to wrong ideas about who you are or what you should do. And this leads to a wrong life on a wrong path toward the wrong destiny. Sometimes it's not cleaning up the path. It's cleaning up our heart. It's cleaning up our mind. It's cleaning up our hands. And that's why the examiner has fully examined us. We can pray with the psalmist, the last words, and lead me in to the way everlasting. I would like to think that that's the first thing we're going to pray. Really, I don't think that needs to be the first thing we pray. It needs to be the last thing we pray. After we get things in check, after we get things cleaned up, then we can say, okay, God, now I'm aligned. Now I'm I'm ready. Now I'm ready to go wherever you may lead me. A couple of other verses that I didn't read earlier in Psalm 139. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? I can't go anywhere without his spirit being there. I love that. Psalm 143, verse 10. Listen to this. Teach me to do your will. For you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. I want to be, would you see that last phrase? Say that last phrase with me. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. We're starting a series next week. This is kind of the pre-series, pre-message of the series, but it's called Unleash. Because we want to unleash, tap into the spirit that is within us. And that spirit wants to lead us to level, secure ground. Fourth inventory question and I'm through. How will I invite God's spirit to lead me? How will I invite God's spirit to lead me? Where is he leading? Am I willing to follow? Martin Lade shares in his book about that whenever he got in the... Quagmire of his own mind and soul. He would go out on a walk, and he would take a nature walk, and he came across a guy who had four Kerry Blue Terriers. He said three of the four would—if you know those dogs—they're full of energy. They're jumping around. They—they like to bark. They like to play. They like to—they—they've got to burn off a lot of energy, so you take them out on these walks, and—and he would see. Three of the four terriers just bouncing through the woods and through the, through the, through the, through the, through the path and wherever they were. But there was one terrier that would just run in circles. Just run in circles. That's all he would do. Just, he wouldn't go out and bounce in the field. He wouldn't be free as all the other dogs. He just ran in a circle. Finally, Martin goes up to him and asks him, he says, So why have you trained him like this? why, why, why is it, why is the terrier like this and the three terriers are like that? He said, because this is a rescue dog. And this terrier has been living all of his life in a cage. And all he knew to do was to run in circles in a cage. And I wonder if we're like this terrier, that we'll run from this year till next year, this year till next year, and we just run in a cage in a circle. And we wonder, when am I going to get out? Of this crazy cycle. Psalm 124 verse 7. My heart starts in the heart. Like a bird has escaped from the snare of the fowler. The snare is broken. And we have escaped. Would you bow your heads with me? I told you today is a day of reflection. Reflection. A space, a time for you to do inventory of yourself, not just by yourself, but by inviting the presence of God in. Into that space, listening to His voice. Why do I have you close your eyes? I'm having you close your eyes because I'm asking you to... Block out, again, rest. Get away from the noises of other people, of people moving around, a band getting in position, of people next to you. Just block it all out for just a moment and pray this prayer. Repeat it in your heart after me. Search me, O oh God. Know my heart. Try me and know my ways. And see if there be any way in me that is not right, God. And lead me in your everlasting way. If you don't know Jesus today, the very first way you're going to be set free from the fowler is by giving your life to Jesus. That's more than a New Year's resolution. That's more than turning over a new leaf. That is saying, Jesus, I need you. I want you. Set me free, Jesus. Give me new life, Jesus. Tell him that right now. If you're watching online, text into us. We want to know. If you're here in this room, come see me afterwards. Father, in this space, do your work as only you can do. In Jesus' name.